I love to sit and look through those holy pages And read about the eternal rock of ages See all that God has done, the battles he has won The great prophecies unfold In every book from Genesis to Revelation I see his loving grace and this great salvation Brings courage to my soul, for I know he's in control. I believe every word is true. Yes, I believe every word that he said is true. I believe he'll do exactly what he said he would do. How I love his precious... It's time now for the Teaching Timeless Truths radio broadcast with Pastor Roger Walton. So get your Bible, a pen, and your Bible study notebook as we journey through the truths of God's Word And now with today's Timeless Truth, here's Pastor Walton. Hebrews chapter number 1, Hebrews chapter number 1. We have looked at the introduction in verses 1 through 4, which is one sentence. And then we looked at chapter number 1, verse 4, which was a transition to the end of the sentence into this, Christ is superior to the angels. He's far better. And it starts out being made so much better than the angels, as he by inheritance obtained a more excellent name than they. And so we talked about last time the superiority of his name. We looked at his name has made him more excellent when his name is mentioned. And we looked at the names of Christ and the wonder of it and all the wonderful things he's called. And he has made so much better than the angels. So it is proven by the fact that he is the son of God. It is proven by his names. Now we look at, not only is it proven by the Son's name, but it's proven by the Scriptures. And what's going to happen here is through the rest of this chapter, verses 5 through 14, he is going to be quoting from verses of the Old Testament that will then, back then, reading it, you would have maybe missed, had you not known the New Testament, you would have missed that God has actually used that then in the context of what was going on there, in the actual present tense of when that occurred, but was also using it in a further down-the-road situation. For instance, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? And we look at that in chapter 22 of the book of Psalms, and because we've probably been to church and heard verses and heard sermons and all that and read our Bible through, we know, hey, wait a minute, that's what Christ said on the cross, and we see that that has been brought over. So let's take a look and see what's going on as we go through the rest of this chapter. It says in verse 5, For unto which of the angels said he at any time, Thou art my son, this day have I begotten thee? Question mark. Now, there is more to the verse, but it starts out and again, so it's connecting. Let's deal with the first phrase and see what's going on. For unto which of the angels, of all the angels that are there, the archangel, You know, the angel Gabriel and Michael are named. Uh, Who in that realm, any of those angels, did he ever look at and say, as the angel, you're my son. This day have I begotten thee. Well, if you notice, uh, there's no angel anywhere that's ever called anything like that. You see, what's going on here is, it's a quote from Psalm chapter 2 and verse number 7. And we'll look at that in just a minute. And it is made to refer to his resurrection. This day have I begotten thee. And we're looking at the fact that he brought him back from the dead. He brought him back again from the grave. You see, 
Christ as God had the power to lay his life down and he had the power to pick it back up. In Psalm 2, 7, I will declare the decree, the Lord hath said unto me, thou art my son. This day have I begotten thee, a specific day. And that specific day is resurrection day. Now, he's the only begotten of the Father. He came down and was begotten of the Virgin Mary. He died and he was resurrected and brought back as the firstborn, the only born, the only begotten of the Son of God. So that's where he started. That's where he ended because of the great power that he had and has to lay his life down and to pick it back up. So he is declared emphatically to be the Son of God by the resurrection. See, if he just died and he never got out of the grave, Paul said, if in this life, this is the only hope we have, there's no future hope, we are of all men most miserable. It was the resurrection that gave the power to the awesomeness of our salvation and the rejoicing of our salvation that one day we will be in heaven that he is the first fruits of them that slept now think about that what does that mean the first fruits see people say all the time to me oh you know uh he's uh He's not the first one to get up. I mean, after all, he, he raised people from the dead. Yep, there's just one problem with that. They didn't come back into a glorified body. They came back into the same body they left. Lazarus come forth. Lazarus had died and got that all over with, and he had to do it again. Think about that. Oh, that had to be something. But Jesus was the first fruits of them that slept, meaning he's the first one to get up in a glorified body. I want you to know that Jesus is God. He's always been God, but he has proved himself to be God throughout his miracles, throughout all the things that they witnessed and saw, and the greatest of those was the resurrection to which he said in Acts chapter 1 verse 3 to whom he showed himself alive after his passion after many did you get that word many infallible not one but many infallible infallible proofs thank God for the proof of the resurrection of Jesus Christ there's a great song that actually deals with the entirety of Christ coming to our earth, and it's a wonderful song to sing anytime. It's a great hymn that uh, I don't know how many people have ever heard, but there are five verses to this song, and it starts out, one day when heaven was filled with his praises, one day when sin was as black as could be, Jesus came forth to be born of a virgin, dwelt among men, my example is he. But one day they led him up Calvary's mountain. One day they nailed him to die on the tree, suffering anguish, despised and rejected, bearing our sins. My Redeemer is he. One day they left him alone in the garden. One day he rested from suffering tree. Angels came down over his tomb to keep vigil. Hope of the hopeless, my Savior is he. I love this verse. One day the grave could conceal him no longer. One day the stone rolled away from the door. Then he arose over death he had conquered. 
now is ascended my Lord evermore. And then they couldn't get any better. <laughs> One day the trumpet will sound for his coming. One day the skies with his glory will shine. Wonderful day, my beloved one's bringing. Glorious Savior, this Jesus is mine. But I want you to listen to the chorus that's sung between those verses. Listen carefully. Living, he loved me. Dying, he saved me. Buried, he carried my sins far away. But listen, rising he justified freely forever. His rising again declared my righteousness. He got up, I get up, declared righteous. And one day he's coming. Oh, glorious day. My friend, there, which to which to which of the angels did he ever say, you're my son, this day have I begotten thee. And again, in the same verse, meaning another quote is coming. And again, I will be to him a father, and he shall be to me a son. Now, when we take a look at this, we're seeing that he is looking at a passage of Scripture over in the book of Samuel. And when we see this, we're looking at 2 Samuel 7, 14. I will be his father, and he shall be my son. And he's talking about Solomon there. But he lifts this up and brings it out because Christ is a son of David in that lineage. And he said, which of those, uh, again, uh, who's, did he say to the angels ever, I will be a father to you? No, but I'll be a father to him and he shall be to me a son. So we see here that we these first this first verse brings sonship. It talks about the sonship of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. He is the Son of God. He's the only one worthy to be called the Son of God. And he is the only Son of God. He's the only begotten Son of God. So we go to verse number six. And again, so we're going to go to another quote. When he bringeth in the first begotten into the world, he saith, and let all the angels of God worship him. So now we're going to go from sonship to worship. Now, what in the world is he saying here? Well, we're looking here at something that is very, very interesting because he says, when he bringeth in the first begotten into the world, when Jesus came into this earth as the first begotten, and this word first begotten is protokos, and it means first in priority, first in superiority, and being above. It has everything to do with having a total uh, enthralling of someone who deserves praise. It's a word that actually shows dignity and honor. They're first in a sense of uh, place and time and priority and superiority above everyone else. So it puts them in a place of honor, dignity, worth, worship. So we see the worship here. And he said, he, all the angels of God worship him. And it was the angels of God that were actually at the birth of Christ, telling it to the shepherds and telling them what was going on in Bethlehem and where they were to go. And they went to see that thing. When Christ was born into this world, that's what angels did. Read Luke chapter number two. And now you, you see this all of a sudden break. And suddenly... 
there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill towards men. Glory to God in the highest. When Christ was taken into the world above, when he ascended out of this world, while they looked steadfastly toward heaven, Acts 1.10 says, As he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, angels, which said, Ye men of Galilee, why stand ye gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus, which has gone up from you, shall so come again in like manner as you have seen him go. And you know what? When Jesus returns to this earth again, he will be attended and worshipped by angels. And we will see that throughout the book of Revelation. In the Matthew 24, where it talks about future events, he said, He shall send his angels with great sound of a trumpet, and they shall gather together his elect from the four winds, from one end of heaven to the other. And I'm glad when that time comes, that he will be attended to and declared by angels again. But again, we're looking at worship. Then we get to verse number 7, and we're looking at rulership. And of the angels, he saith, who maketh his angels spirits and his ministers a flame of fire. Now, what is he saying there? He makes his his angels, ministers, servants, those that serve, a public servant. They go out and they minister. Now, when Jesus was on this earth, he was the Son of God. He never ceased to be the Son of God, but he chose to be the perfect servant. And Mark is the one who paints that picture clearly and says the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister. But the truth is he's the Son of God. And he is one that's deserving of our praise and worship and our ministry. And the angels are spirits. They're not in, uh, human beings, although they can take on the physical appearance of a human being. They are spirits. And they're his ministers. They minister to the Lord. And because they minister, they're not of the sonship level. They are lower than Christ. Christ is above them. So we go from rulership to royalty. Look at verse 8 with a contrast word. But unto the Son, he saith, thy throne, rulership, thy throne, royalty. He's on the throne. O God is forever and forever. A scepter of righteousness is the scepter of thy kingdom. Now, when we look at this, again, we're seeing these verses that are being taught in the Old Testament as well. And you will see these verses many times when you are reading in the verses there. But we're looking at the fact that he is a rulership and royalty. And we are looking at his righteousness in a minute. But here we're looking at his royalty. Wherefore God has also highly exalted him and giving him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow with things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth. That is the Lord that is coming back again. We know that he is almighty. He's a ruler. He's royalty. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. This is the one that we need to pay attention to. 
He says, who maketh his angels spirits and his ministers a flame of fire. Psalm 1, it talks about, in verse 4, the ungodly are not so, but are like the chaff which the wind driveth away. Therefore, the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment of sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knoweth the way of the righteous, but the ways of the ungodly shall perish. Isn't it amazing? The angels are ministers to a lot of things. We're going to find out in verse 14, to those who shall be saved, but the unrighteous, they won't make it. That is a horrible thought and a sad thing to keep in mind. Then we see there in verse number 9, Thou hast loved righteousness and hated iniquity. Therefore God, even thy God, hath anointed thee with the oil of gladness above thy fellows. And we look at Psalm chapter 45, verses 7 and 8. Thou lovest righteousness and hatest wickedness. Therefore God, thy God, has anointed thee with the oil of gladness above thy fellows. All thy garments shall smell of myrrh and aloes and cassia out of the ivory palaces whereby they have made thee glad. What about that? Listen to me. The, uh, th- these verses in the Old Testament are showing that they have a messianic uh, tone to them. Therefore, the Messiah in the Old Testament, they missed Jesus. Isn't that sad? It talks about the ivory palaces, which brings up another forgotten hymn that people forget my lord is garments so wondrous fine and myrrh their texture fills right out of psalm 45 its fragrance reached to this heart of mine <laughs> with joy my being thrills his life hath also its sorrow sore for aloes had a part and when i think of the cross he bore my eyes with teardrops start his garments too were in casia deeped with a healing touch. Each time my feet in some sin have slipped, he took me from its clutch. In garments glorious he will come to open wide the door, and I shall enter my heavenly home to dwell forevermore. Out of the ivory palaces, into a world of woe, only his great eternal love made my Savior go think about that thou hast loved righteousness and hated iniquity therefore god even thy god has anointed thee with the oil above thy fellows and we see in verse 9 his righteousness he's right all the time he had no sin he who knew no sin became sin for us therefore being justified by faith we have peace with god through our lord jesus christ Even as Abraham believed God, it was accounted to him for righteousness, being filled with the fruits of righteousness, which are by Jesus Christ unto the glory and praise of God. And on and on it goes. And we just step over into verse number 10. And we see in verse number 10, he is the creator of this creation. And thou, Lord, in the beginning has laid the foundation of the earth, and the heavens are the works of thine hands. They shall perish, but thou remainest. They shall all wax old as doth a garment, and as a vesture shalt thou fold them up, and they shall be changed, but thou art the same, and thy years shall not fail. When we look at verses 10, 11, and 12, you know what we see? He's the creator. He's eternal, therefore, and he is the one whom we can depend on because he is forever. 
And thou, Lord, in the beginning has laid the foundation of the earth, and the heavens are the works of thy hands. Thou shalt, they shall perish, but thou remainest. Now, when we look at this, again, we're looking at, uh, amazingly, the Old Testament. In Psalm 102, verses 25 to 27, Of old hast thou laid the foundation of the earth, and the heavens are the work of thy hands. They shall perish, but thou shalt endure. Yea, all of them shall wax old like a garment, as a vesture shalt thou change them, and they shall be changed. But thou art the same, and thy years shall have no end. Again, the Old Testament comes alive in the New Testament as we find that God gives credence to that which was written therein. Now, I want you to see something here because they are saying that, the, that this, this creation will perish. You know, the Bible talks about when the heavens and the earth are there and the earth perishes with a fervent heat and the elements melt thereof. But at the end, God creates a brand new heavens and earth, talking about the atmospheric heavens and the earth. It all gets made new. So it is perished and it becomes new. We also see that as a vesture shalt thou fold them up. It's going to be like a robe. They're going to be folded up like a garment. They will be changed. And they won't be the same. But thou art the same. The key to this verse is, is not only his eternality, but his immutability. That's a very fancy word that simply means this. I change not. I'm the Lord God. I change not. Unchangeable. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. In the book of Hebrews. Thou art the same. I am glad he doesn't change. Listen, if he doesn't change, then he can love me no less than he has always loved me. He has always loved me wide open. He can't love me anymore because he loves me with all that he has, including his death on the cross. And he can't love me any less. He doesn't change. He's not going to change his mind when I get to heaven and say, I, I decided I didn't want you. I didn't really die for you. He's not going to. He doesn't change. He's been the same for all eternity. And through all that we know from the scriptures, we see he is forever the same you can put your faith and trust in him because he is the unchangeable, immutable Savior, the loving creator that was the one that created all things and without him was not anything made that was made. That, my friend, is the key. Now, then he says in verse number 13, but to which of the angels said he at any time sit on my right hand until I make thine enemies thy footstool did he ever say that in verse chapter Psalm 110 verse number one the Lord said unto my Lord sit thou on my right hand until I make thine enemies thy footstool referring to the Lord we see here the place of setting we see the place of prominence who sits in the place of prominence do you remember what is said up at the top God who at sundry Times in diverse manners spake in time past unto the fathers by the prophets, hath in these last days spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed heir of all things, by whom also he made the worlds, who being in the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person and upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had by himself purged our sins, sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high. Is there any angels there? Nope. 
you're not sitting next to God like that. That's an honored position. And he will sit there, and he's going to make his enemies the footstool. They are going to be the footstool of our Lord's setting down on. He is in a prominent place. He is in a position of honor. He is in a position of great glory and praiseworthy and worship worthy he's in a place of great love and he's in a place of great joy he's in a great place of great power and he is in a place of great victory thank god for the victory we have through jesus christ our lord but then i want you to see something else as we end the chapter he says are they not all ministering spirits again we see that they minister they're sent forth to do God's work. But here's something very special that they do. Sent forth to minister to them who shall be heirs of salvation. Listen, there was a time when I was lost. And God knew because of his great foreknowledge that I would come to know Christ as Savior when that day of opportunity came. And I don't know how many times and places the devil would have liked to have taken me out from birth until the age of 14 when I, in an elementary school building, went forward at a revival meeting that the church was having where they were meeting in that elementary school building and gave my heart and life to Jesus Christ. How many times angels protected my life because I was the one who was a, to be an heir of salvation. I'm glad that they're sent to minister to us that shall be heirs. But you know, they also minister to those who are also heirs already. Because in Acts chapter 12, behold, the angel of the Lord came upon him, Peter, and uh, uh, light smote Peter on the side and raised him up and said, Arise up quickly, and his chains fell off from his hands. And he didn't realize that he was <laughs> that it wasn't a dream until he got out in the street and was looking around, the angel had disappeared. The angel of God went before the camp of Israel. They removed and went behind them. And the pillar of cloud went from their face, and they stood behind them. For he shall give his angels charge over thee to keep thee in all thy ways. Daniel said, My God has sent his angel and has shut the lion's mouths, and they have not hurt me. They are ministers to those who shall be heirs of salvation. And they are ministers unto those who absolutely love the Lord and are serving him. Angels have a great ministry, but they are not the Son of God. He, Jesus Christ, is higher, better, superior to the angels. And they are higher, they are lower. He is higher, but he became higher because it's going to say in chapter 2 that he became lower when he went to Calvary and was lifted back up to the high position. Only the Son could do that because only he was sinless and perfection and could not have any sin in him and did not have any sin in him nor was sin ever found in him father the sonship declares who he is the scriptures declare who he is may we declare who you are in our lives and paint a beautiful picture of salvation to everyone that sees our testimony and hears from us in jesus name we pray Amen and amen. This is Pastor Walton praying you have an absolutely awesome week. Yes, I believe every word that he said is true. I believe he'll do exactly what he said he would do. How I love his precious word, it thrills me through and through. I
been listening to the Teaching Timeless Truths radio broadcast with Pastor Roger Walton, you can send all correspondence to tttbroadcasts at gmail.com. Tune in again next week for another Timeless Truth.